Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we get ready for the big divisional playoff round. The Cali Chief leads the Red Friday roundtable with Huang Forrest, Ryan Tracy, and Talon Graff. But first, we kick things off with Texans Wire contributor Avery Duncan as he breaks down the Texans side of this big game. Wire podcast, we are back and returning to the podcast. We have Avery Duncan from Texans Wire, and obviously, we have the big matchup this Sunday. Avery, welcome back. It's a big it's good one, to man. Be here again. It's, it's the big one. I, I don't think there's ever been a Texans game as big as this one. I mean, probably outside of the inaugural game, but there, it's, it's the game for the Texans. No, it definitely is, obviously, for the Chiefs as well. Uh, these two didn't meet already in the regular season, but before we get into all that, let's just recap that thrilling overtime win against the Bills and just can you like take us through what you were going through watching that? Well, the, the first quarter was a disappointment. Um, you know, uh, very close to taking it out on um, some objects around me. Um, the the second quarter was a bit bit of understanding that the the Bills are just a really really physical defense, uh, great pass defense, um, and then you know I, I think really when you start to feel hope that the Texans could win that game was uh, JJ Watt's sack with about six minutes left in the third quarter. That's when everything changed. That's when uh, you know Deshaun Watson put on you know, one of the greatest uh, playoff performances, the fran- no, the greatest playoff performance in the franchise's history. Um, but, I, you know, in Houston, and, you know, my feelings in general, is it's, it's a pretty positive. Um, they're used to, they're used to um, playing from behind, but to be able to come back from, like, from that uh, was, was pretty cool. Um, so there's a lot of confidence, but there's definitely still um, some skepticism. I'm, I'm, I guess, more of an optimistic person. Well, that's good. It's you know, obviously, during, especially during this time of year, to be optimistic. But uh, mm. just even you, you said you talked about JJ Watt. He's coming back early from that injury. Do you mm. feel like it's uh, it's going to be a factor heading into this Sunday, or maybe just everything that he did during the wild card game kind of got all the all the rust. Anytime 99's on the field, it's going to be a factor. Um, he's, you know, all five of the Chiefs linemen are going to have to know where he is. There's going to be seven people at minimum on the field every time that have to know where he is. So he's going to he's going to continue to draw attention. And 
the real question is how how often will he draw attention? Meaning, what's what are his snap counts going to be? Because he played about fifty six percent of snaps, or no, sixty one percent of snaps last week. Um, so he's going to be more of a factor on second and third downs, I'd say. Yeah, that's definitely going to be an interesting watch, especially throughout the game in terms of the personnel changes. Just mm-hmm. looking now at Deshaun Watson, he, his confidence has to be at an all-time high with the way he finished the game. Going against this Chiefs defense again, now he had some success last time. This is a different defense in terms of the way they stepped it up. They've been mm-hmm. one of the best defenses for the last five games of the regular season. Do you feel like he has to do a little bit something different in order to uh, try to keep pace? Uh, I don't know if it's if it's something different. I would say, if anything, it's he. The Texans' offense gets out like they're hungover. They they don't play the first quarter. If they play the first quarter and they kind of get that rhythm going, you know, in the first fifteen minutes or so, and then I think then I think we can see the same Deshaun Watson that we've seen this entire time. But uh, for the for the going against the Chiefs defense, this this Chiefs defense that's more than competent, uh, I would say I would say I'm expecting or I'm at least hoping that they're going to focus on getting the ball out a bit quicker. Uh, they're going to have the full wide receiver core, uh, so it'll it'll be a little easier to do that. And then I think he's going to benefit a lot from play action because for as good as the Chiefs defense has been. I still don't trust them against the run. So I feel like Carlos Hyde is going to draw them in, stack the box a little bit, and then and then he's going to work off of play action a little bit. So I think he needs to start about start out a bit quicker. You can say that for all every game he's played this year. Get the ball out a little bit quicker because the pass rush is is working a little bit in Kansas City and then work off the play action. It's interesting that you brought up Carlos Hyde. As every Chiefs fan knows, he was cut right after preseason this year, and that's where the Texans picked him up. So there'll be extra motivation there. Um, have you heard anything? Uh, I know you, you guys do a lot of following their press conferences and locker room talk. Has there been any word about Carlos Hyde maybe having revenge on the mind? He hasn't explicitly said revenge game 2.0. Um, but if you watch the film – from the Chiefs game, he's he runs pretty hard, but he's running just a, with a little bit more juice, you know. Y- y'all y'all traded me for a backup guard type type mm-hmm. juice. Um, so no, there hasn't been anything like that. I know Andy Reid said he was a joy to coach, um, but he hasn't said anything uh, about revenge. He's he's still getting his first taste of the postseason in general. So I think I think that's what he's focused on, but pretty mum on that on that area. I definitely hear on that one. Now, taking a look at the other side of the ball, what do you see in regards to just the way Patrick Mahomes is, the way he's going to be setting up? Obviously, he's healthy. He's um he's been playing very well. Travis Kelsey's been playing well. Tyreek Hill. So the Chiefs have their main core guys ready to go. What do you feel like the Texans' defense in terms of their mindset is going to be going in? Don't allow the big play. That's it. They allow the most big plays out of, most, out of any playoff team. The Chiefs are a big play. They'll, I mean, they're a great offense, but they're, uh, they, 
they're a big play offense too. Um, so I think it's going to be about really the safety help uh, limiting Tyree Kill because uh, speed they they do not defend speed well as most teams don't. Uh, but limiting the big play is probably the key for the defense starting out. They saw that the first half of the week six game, the Chiefs had a lot of big plays. They kind of started shutting that down in the second half. Uh, so if I can, if they can do that, uh, they'll find a way to limit the Chiefs. But this isn't this isn't the same Chiefs offense that they saw week six. Um, Patrick Mahomes, he was not healthy then. Uh, he's playing the best football out of anybody out there right now, and frankly, they scare they 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 scare me <laughs> they scare me a lot. Um, so I'd say big play then then work from there. Just just hope JJ Watt can get some help with the pass rush because it's been a bit suspect this season, more than a bit suspect. The worst in the NFL without him. Um, mm. But I don't I think it's going to be a shootout. I just don't. I don't see a way they can limit the Chiefs' uh, offense for ten drives. Okay, and now there's another factor that in Week Six it wasn't, in my opinion, as uh, boisterous as they usually are. But now you're going into a playoff game with the Chiefs getting all this, you know, praise from around the league. A lot of critics saying that this is a Super Bowl bound team. <laughs> They're returning to Arrowhead. This is a playoff game at Arrowhead Stadium. Do you mm-hmm. feel like that's going to play a factor? Uh, I don't know how you remember the Texans, how they handle hostile, like sort of uh, uh, visiting matchups. Like, do you feel like that's going to be a factor? Uh, of course, it's going to be a factor. Um, I think I'll, I'll answer the last part first. Where I think under Watson, they are they they can handle playing the road those big games. Um, but I know I know the Chiefs have been one and five at Arrowhead in the playoffs since 2013, but they're one and one in um, in Kansas City it, it, at Arrowhead under Pat, with Patrick Mahomes as quarterback. They would have been two and zero oh if it wasn't for a D Ford offsides. Um, I think it's like it's one of those places that you were like, oh no, we don't want to play these guys here. It's kind of like playing at the Link or um, you know in Seattle. Foxborough, any place like that in the playoffs, you don't want to play there. Uh, records, records be damned. That's, it's a, a that's a good way to look at it. That's a really yeah. good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it scares me. I, I would be, I would be scared. It's just playing it, playing at one of those venues with, I mean, the Chiefs hype is, for the, it's been brewing. Uh, this is, you know. Losing this game would mean this season is a disappointment for the Chiefs. They are expected to at least be in the AFC Championship, so I think Arrowhead is going to be rocking. I think they're going to. I think the Texans might have to use a silent count. No, I think not. Might mm. I think they will. Sounds like practices are going to be filled with, uh, you know, a lot of crowd noise, built-in crowd noise to get them ready. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a smart thing to do. It's. <laughs> Uh, you, you, I mean, you, you can't realistically you can't go into Arrowhead, a playoff game in Arrowhead, and and not expect it to be absolutely a, to where your your ears are gonna pop out loud. It, it's gonna be loud. It's serious home field advantage. 
I'll definitely be loud on Sunday. And uh, Avery, before you go, is there anything that you just worked on that you want to promote to let people check out? Uh, I would just say, I would just say, uh, text, check out the Texans Wire. Um, you know, I think I think Mark Lane is doing a really good job managing it over there, but uh, we're adding some more uh, some more writers. So I think, uh, and it will be at the this they'll be at the Senior Bowl. Uh, so I think it's just going to be a fun off season. Uh, but nah, I'm I'm too humble. <laughs> Hey, it's good. You know, you need that in the world. We need more humble people. So uh, exactly. definitely appreciate it. We definitely appreciate your time as always, man. Mm-hmm. And I uh, are looking forward to a big game on Sunday. It's going to be fun. All right, man. Take care. All right. You too. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Kingdom. Happy New Year is here. We're all ready for the divisional round of the playoffs. Kansas City Chiefs are going to host the Houston Texans, who had a fairly ugly game against the Buffalo Bills, if you're being honest. If you're watching it like I was, it was uh, music to my ears. I liked seeing them struggle that mightily with someone like Josh Allen, who is, to me, a lesser version of Patrick Mahomes at this point. I think he's got potential to develop into a Patrick type player, he's got to work on his accuracy a lot. Um, he might be a little faster than Patrick, actually. But uh, just the the passing game, Patrick's got him by years, and the maturity and leadership game, he's way out ahead. By taking care of business a couple weeks ago, the Chiefs stole the number two seed from the Patriots. Thank you, Dolphins. Um, Chiefs took care of business, and there was a, uh, a double game call by Kevin Harlan, who I'm normally not a huge fan of, but that was really cool. It was really interesting listening to him call the Chiefs game. And then at the same time, he was watching the Dolphins game and calling that for the viewers of the Chiefs game. And hearing that they went up with 24 or so seconds to go in the game was fantastic. And you could hear the the upsurge and the cheering in the crowd because obviously people became aware of it. They said they weren't posting the scores at Arrowhead because they wanted the team focused and they wanted the crowd to be focused on the game and energy to be all about that game. Um, but it was very evident when the crowd was aware uh, moments after that score happened. Right now, apparently Chiefs Kingdom is petitioning to have Ryan Fitzpatrick bang the drum before the divisional round game over the Houston Texans, which is in our house this time, Houston. So come on down. Come on down to the cold. It's going to be really cold on game day. There's probably not going to be any precipitation, but it doesn't matter. Patrick can, as he said in the last couple of games, he can zip it. He can sling it in any kind of weather. He was loving the fact that the snow didn't slow him down one little bit. Um, personally, um, my thing would be if we can't get Ryan Fitzpatrick for some reason, then, and I'm going to ask my first guest about this, I think we should try to get Mike Kosecki, the guy who received that catch. It was a tough catch in the back of the end zone in that rookie tight end. All six foot six, 245 pounds of him, pulled that in like a champ. 
Now, like I said, he is a rookie. He's got three years left on that contract. And hey, you know what? Bringing him in to bang the drum and seeing how things are so nice in Arrowhead, maybe, just maybe, in a couple of years from now when he's looking at a new contract, he might slide in there behind Travis and take over the, the tight end spot for him. Uh, my first guest today, I'm going to have three this week and possibly the same next week, hopefully. Uh, we're looking at a AFC Championship next week and possibly even having it come through Arrowhead, depending on how things pan out. But first things first, we've got to take care of business against the Texans. And the guest I want to talk about the game, the games rather, last week with is Hong Forrest, the Golden Voice, Chiefs fan. Girl, how are you doing today, Hong? Happy New Year. I am doing fantastic. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for having me on. I've missed you. <laughs> I know. It's been a lonely uh, couple of weeks. It's just really tough. It's, it's really tough getting uh, people on over the holidays because, you know, people are celebrating and I'm not one to, to push for Oh, can you just give me the, I'm like, you know what? Let them have fun. Let them relax. We live once. You know what I mean? This is not a dress rehearsal, oh, yeah. folks. I don't know if you noticed, but it's not a dress rehearsal. Um, One of my favorite quotes. <laughs> uh, well, as predicted by yours truly, the Titans went into New England and pounded the Patriots. What was your impression of that game? I was, you know... I think we've heard me say it before. I was re- I'm I was one of those as you are, ready for that dynasty and that era to come to an end. And you know, he's a great athlete and everything mm-hmm. else, but I was just I just knew that the Titans would run all over them. And they did exactly that. Yeah, it was uh it was pretty impressive uh, performance by Derrick Henry in that O-line. Much oh, yes. I mean a much expected <laughs> one. We saw what they can do. We know what they're capable of. Of course our offense our defense wasn't uh playing that well at that time. What's interesting mm-hmm. is um in run defense, the Patriots around the time we got beat up on by the, the Titans and the games a couple games before that, uh a couple games earlier rather, before the first Bronco game, we've kind of flipped how effective our run defense is with them. They got really ineffective down the stretch. They were like 24th or something ranked against the run, and that showed on that game. They just He just ran in them, over them, through them, around them, over them again, <laughs> just like searching for contact. The man approaches the line like it's, a, like it's a, a tissue wall of fire, and he's a circus performer. It's incredible to watch. Well, and I think if for mentioning, uh, you know, when they started to go down and ours started to trend upwards, their strength of schedule, too, with the opponents that they played in the first part of their season versus the latter half. So, Well, and therein lies the rub. We've spoken on that as well. <laughs> well it's easy to have a really high-ranked defense. Some people are saying, oh, an all-time defense. you got to look at the strength of schedule, people. you got to look at who they're – who are you playing? Who are you playing? Is it a clown car or is it like a legit NFL team with playoff chances and, you know, a real threat all around quarterback running game, what have you? They were playing a very soft schedule and that five game run, even the Cowboys and Eagles to a lesser extent who weren't playing at their best challenged them a bit at least and gave them some some little bumps and bruises. And then the other three teams they played in that five year stretch, Baltimore, the Texans and our wonderful Chiefs all beat them handily mm-hmm. so it was kind of uh, the writing was on the wall I think this coming down the stretch and everybody keeps talking about the Patriots dynasty the last like today I got in the car and the, everybody's talking about that and like they're done the year's over I mean I don't know what the future holds but right now they're finished are there no other stories to talk about can we talk about the teams that are still alive right now they want to introduce <laughs> oh Brady had this injury we didn't talk about he had that injury he didn't talk about you know the injury he has right now that nobody's talking about? He and Bill and Robert Kraft all have right now? It's a bruise. A bruised ego. 
because they're done. Their season's over. Big time. Sail off into the sunset at least until next year, and we'll talk to you then, or like draft time or what have you. I'm ready to move on. That Titans performance, however, people are talking about that game as if the Titans, no pun intended, ran away with it. It was 14-13 to before that pick six right near the end of the game. So for all of what Derrick Henry had mightily done, it was a one-point game. And he had Mm -hmm. 34 carries for 182 yards. That's impressive. 5.4 yard average. He only had one touchdown, though. Meanwhile, their quarterback, Tannehill, was held 8 of 15 for 72 yards, one touchdown and a pick. I'm not Nostradamus, but I'm going to tell you right now here, Cheese Kingdom, that ain't going to get it done against Baltimore or Kansas City. So I don't know. what They might be walking into a a wall of razor blades when they get up to M&T Bank Stadium. And if they manage to like beat and scratch and limp their way through that game, because that game is going to be a slobber knocker. Both teams, their their offensive playbook is a picture of a wall and someone throwing a bowling ball through it. That's their that's their <laughs> game. Just just run through the wall. Like so, they're going to beat each other up, which is awesome. Um, I love the fact that last week one of the overtime games was the Bills and Texans. Oh, yeah. So they got to play extra minutes, mm-hmm. extra time. The one thing they are lucky to have those are. Not lucky to become an arrowhead, but they're lucky because they get one extra day of rest because, ironically, even though the Chiefs didn't get the one seed, they did get one extra day of rest over the Baltimore Ravens, which is kind of awesome. I do enjoy that extra little respite for our players to get healthy. One guy who doesn't seem to need to get healthy right now, and let me know your thoughts on this. The last couple of games, uh, Damian Williams looks like the Damian Williams from the Colts playoff game last year. What are your thoughts? He looks phenomenal. He looks so phenomenal. And it's just, it's like, injury what? <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm just really, really happy to see him run so well. I thought that maybe he would need um, a lot more reps uh, to get back into performance level coming off that injury there. But I mm-hmm. think he's looked so, so wonderful these last couple of games here. Well, and I think it's a uh, silver lining situation, much like we had with Patrick, where it was horrible to see him go down with the knee dislocation. Luckily, mm-hmm. he's an alien, and he has a different knee <laughs> kneecap and ligaments than the rest of us, and he <laughs> didn't tear anything, and he came back to us pretty promptly. But it forced the team to rest him. I personally was of the feeling that I don't know what's going on, but watching Damian Williams early in the season, I felt like he, I felt like he had some nagging injuries, and they weren't talking about it, and he was just fighting through stuff because he didn't have the same burst as last right. year. And usually when you're fresh coming out of camp, you do have that burst, and he just kind of seemed a little slower, a little less stuttery. Um, even the Titans game, it was like a little less uh, decisive on that. It was very obvious on that fumble. He wasn't sure which way he wanted to go, and he changed his mind one too many times, and the guy got in there and punched the ball out. The last couple of games, after those after those games off, the last couple of games, he was decisive. He was cutting and running. He was going through people. He was making people miss. That stiff arm against the Chargers, the stiff arm and spin move, which is an awesome combo in Madden, by the way, if anybody plays it out there. Usually you don't get that same burst after you do those two things. It takes a second to ramp up the speed. Okay, he had it. He is he he, he is of the unfortunate situation, which is awfully, actually a really good situation, but his athletic prowess is muted because he's on a team with Tyree Kill and McCole Hardman. Absolutely. But on that play, even though Tyreek does catch him at the end, <laughs> On that play, for most of that run, Tyreek's not directly behind him. You just see him peeling away from Charger players. Oh, yeah. He runs away from the entire linebacking core, D-line, and the secondary gets no angle on him. And Tyreek just gets to him at the end of the field. So you actually get to see 
Oh yeah, that's right. He's fast too. Yes, <laughs> he's, yes. he's pretty fast. <laughs> I know, and, that, and we discount that because we have Tyreek, we have Nicole, but we discount that. But he has shown tremendous athleticism coming off the injury, coming back, and I think also for Chiefs Kingdom, it helps to quiet. I know that position is one that you know over the since last year we've had some talk about here and there. Of course, with we miss you know our old running back that we had. Um, Mm-hmm. who is no longer with us. Yes. But, uh, you know, it, I think it helps to answer that question. It helps to fill that hole there, to see him play the way that he's been playing these couple of weeks here, just to help answer those questions. Yeah, and um, having the fact that he is the lead running back. People mm-hmm. are talking about this team, oh, running back by committee. They get reps spread around, but Damien is the lead guy, and he reasserted himself the last couple of games, showing everybody, "Oh, we don't have a lead back." Yeah, we do. Number twenty six, yeah, it's, it's me. He's saying, <laughs> and then when he gets out, takes a couple breaks. Darwin Thompson has just looked like a he's like a fire hydrant with legs. The dude just slums, well. he just slams into people and and moves forward. I love it. I love the kid's right. power for his and size. Hanging onto the ball. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, he's <laughs> hanging onto the ball, and that's a very good thing. Um, it was it was no fun to see Darrell Williams go down, and then um, Shady McCoy has been really limited lately. I'm not sure if we're going to see him in the playoffs. I'm, some people think it's a big master plan by Andy to save him up. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. We'll see. But I, it might be just, you know what, if you're not careful with the ball enough, we're just going to keep you out here until we need you. Maybe you'll go in for a rep or two right. here and there just to give something different for the defense to look at. But, I, I mean, I don't see a reason to like pull Damien unless he's tired, you know. If he's ti- and if he's tired, exactly. to me, Darwin Thompson would be the first choice off the bench. We have Juan Thornhill, who's he's ready to go on IR. That was unfortunate to lose him. Yes, very much so. But I, I have pretty strong confidence that uh, Fuller's going to step in there with Armani Watts. I love the fact that Fuller is now like the the Honey Badger 2.0. He's like playing yes. all the positions now, and they're like, oh yeah, he's no, he's <laughs> one of the smartest guys in the defense. I'm like, I didn't know that. I knew he was good when he was with Washington, and he had an okay to good times with us, but I don't know if he's going to be around after this year, but now it looks like he might because he's so diverse. Right. And uh, people forget we grabbed our money Watts in the draft because he's a talented little dude. He's not a big safety, but he's a talented guy with hands. He's a ball hawk. He hits harder than he looks. He hits bigger than he looks. And he was on a good trajectory in camp and stuff before he got injured and he lost a season. And that's why we grabbed Juan Thornhill and he was on a very good trajectory this year. And now we've lost him to injury. But Armani Watts is back. So this is kind of playing out kind of nicely for the future because we have a young safety who we just drafted who's going to be back for next year. He was looking really good. We have another young safety who wasn't as expensive because he wasn't as highly picked. And he looks talented and has a chance to really hone his skills down the stretch here in the playoffs. And if that works out, we're going to have two young, talented guys that aren't super expensive being groomed by a vet like Teron Matthew. And then on the defensive line, Emmanuel Ogba and... AO, Alex Okafor were having, you know, their best seasons ever, and they both got the same injury, a torn pack, which I looked it up, heals in six months very well, and full strength is back oh. within a year. Those two guys are playing really well. We might be able to keep them long-term on a cheaper deal than if they had just balled out all year long. So our depth along the front seven could be looking great as well. we got to get Chris Jones signed. we got to sign Patrick. Oh, yes. Beyond that, um, what do you think about receiving core? Do you think Sammy Watkins and D-Rob are going to be gone next year? That's my... That's my thoughts. I'll let the cat out of the bag. I think they're not going to be on the team next year. I I think Sammy Watkins. I think that's going to be one for sure. I'm not sure mm-hmm. about D Rob. I mean, and if Sammy has a 
big games in the post in the, in the playoffs here. Mm-hmm. Maybe that turns that question around a little bit. But sure. I mean, aside from the very first game of the season, where he came out light just on fire, yeah, um, with the receptions, I just don't know that he has done enough during the rest of this season to really be be kept to validate a big contract because he's got a big mm-hmm. contract. Um, he's had some big drops, some big catches. He's, he's yeah. a very talented guy. It's just the consistency thing. Um, it's like, do you keep a Sammy Watkins and ask him to take less money, which he may or may not do. I think mm-hmm. D Rob is going to be too expensive for his mm-hmm. position and his, his rank in the, in the pecking order. And honestly, you know, the guy makes some great catches and he's a good, when the play breaks down kind of guy, but just there's been too many times the last couple of years, including Alex's last year, where it's a pick thrown by the quarterback who normally takes care of the football, and you watch the replay, and the route's like a banana out or a soft post. He's just he's not running sharp routes, and that allows DBs to undercut you. And it's just it always seems to be going to D Rob when that happens. Last game he had a great catch. That yeah. post corner post was just he set that guy up so bad. Perfection. And Patrick had the ball five yards out of his hand before the final cut, and it was just like there was nobody within five yards of him. If he could do that on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. maybe you keep him around. But they gotta watch the number. His number's creeping up and it's a little bit too much, I think. Uh, especially with the the depth of the draft this year. There's so many great receivers in college this oh, year coming gosh. out. Um let's talk about the Texans. We got to talk about the <laughs> the the bull right in front of us. You can talk about all the uh, all the predatory animals running around, but the bull that's charging at you that's five feet away is the first one you got to deal with. They beat us the first time around, and I say that with an asterisk in my mind because I felt yeah, like we got several. robbed <laughs> a couple different ways in that game. But they're coming into our house. It's not going to be welcoming temperatures, that's for sure. I don't know what Deshaun's like in cold weather. I got to go look up at some of that, but. Uh, I know how Patrick is in that weather, and it's not a problem. I know how the rest of our team did in the two playoff games last year. I'm hoping Patrick gets out to a hot start. doesn't take a while to get going like he did against the Patriots last year, but I think that he's gotten through that a little bit. I think the offense is less dependent upon him, but he's always a big play waiting to happen. We get third and 18 first down, second and 25 touchdown. Like he's he, He flips the rules of NFL physics upside down. It's like, he this really is supposed does. to be a tough down, touchdown. <laughs> this is supposed to be a really difficult down, first down. It's like he doesn't exactly. care about what your old NFL rules are. We're going to play it his way. And mm-hmm. they have a guy on the other side who's equally talented as far as breaking up defenses and making plays that shouldn't be there out of that last play against the Bills where he was dead to right sacked by two guys. I mean... You know, it could happen to anybody, but I got news for you. If that's Frank Clark and T. Suggs coming down, mm. you're not getting away, dude. I don't <laughs> think you're all. making it out of that car wreck. I think that's going to be a sack. And that game was interesting because they let the Bills get up to a 16 nothing start. Yeah. And then they get a lead on them. They scored 19 unanswered points. And aside from that, there were so many chunks of that game where I'm watching it going, this went from a really good game by the Bills to a really nice comeback by the Texans to a who's trying to lose it more. Yes. I just saw so many gaffes. W- was it just me, or did this seem like playoff inexperience, or just oh, it definitely, too many guys out of position, or they're just not that good? I think it was a combination of the lack of playoff experience, plus they were neither team were really playing that well. Yeah. Um, I think early on, 
everyone, you know, was, even I was impressed. I was like, oh, okay, Josh Allen, the poise, you know, and everything else that he was displaying for being young and Uh playoff, um, the playoff atmosphere here. But you could really tell as the game was going on, um, the, the, the decisions he made and the, the frustration that he was showing, the lack of experience that he was showing, it really, the pressure really got to him as the game went on. But same thing on the other side with the Texans, you know, some of the calls that they made, I remember there was a third down where they could have kicked a field oh no fourth down where they could have just kicked a field goal but instead they decided to go for it and instead of sealing it with that field goal they the game went into overtime um a few minutes later so Mm -hmm. it was there were some really questionable things going on during this game where i i felt confident that the bills were going to win this game watching the first half but then I mean, the second half adjustments made by the Texans really turned things around for them. But again, I don't think either side played really that well. No, it looked pretty rough to me. And the Texans have to realize there were so many players injured or out, including our quarterback, Mm -hmm. uh, including Damian Williams, including Tyreek Hill coming off an injury. Guys we didn't have yet. Terrell Suggs, Frank Clark hadn't been doing what he's doing yet. It It was not the team they're about to face right it's about to get really busy up in this place and (laughs) if they think they're going to come in here and and win with under 20 points they're going to have a very very rude awakening by halftime i mean if you want to leave the game hanging out there like they did against the bills for them to take it travis and tyreek and pringle even any any of these guys damian williams they'll take the game from you if you leave it hanging out there in the lurch and just saying oh we're not going to really win it we're not going to seal it deshaun watson had more attempts and yards against us the first time than he had against the Bills mm-hmm. but he also had more picks he, it was a, right. it was not as good a game for him and we're better we're so much better on defense it's like they've turned the corner around like I said the first Broncos game the defense turned the corner I mean we obviously haven't repeated a nine sack outing since then but the sacks and interceptions started coming the turnovers started coming in bunches and they're not letting up. I mean, we played the Chargers twice. Both times the game ended with Philip Rivers thinking he's going to drive down and win like he used to do back in the day. And both times he got picked off by Dirty Dan Sorensen. Game over. Oh, yeah. Lights out. Beat it. That's a, that's a wrap, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that was so awesome to see. Because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, he's my spirit animal. Dirty Dan is why. And, and so many people bag on him. But it, I'm telling you, he makes big plays. That's he why does. he's still on this he team. Does. He comes out of nowhere and makes big plays. And he quietly makes little big plays that you don't really think about after the game. Like it's like mm-hmm. everybody thinks about the the fourth and goal against the Patriots. Okay. Breland makes an amazing play. Um, Frank Clark was bearing down on Dirty Dan was also bearing down on him on the other side. So he had nowhere to go. Brady had nowhere. To, it was just back up and throw the ball because I can't roll right because Sorensen's going to crush me. I can't step up because Frank Clark's going to crush me. That's a big moment you don't really think about because you didn't get the hit. But then there's other games like the AFC Championship where it's a fourth and short in the middle of the game, and it's not as memorable as the end of the game, but Sorensen's the one that sticks Rex Burkhead or stops another guy. Like He's done these kind of things over and over again through his career. That's why he's still around. He's not around because somebody likes him or he's somebody's cousin. He's a very solid guy most of the time, and when the moment comes and arises where he has a chance to make a play, he generally makes it. He's a dependable, solid – he's a football player. He's just a good football player. And he's not small. He's about 6'2", 220. He's not, he's not going to get, you know, steamrolled by little receivers and stuff like that. So, I mean, he's not, you know, Brian Dawkins or Eric Berry or any of these guys you might think of in the past. Like, he's not that guy. That's just not his skill set. 
but he's a very serviceable, solid guy that steps up in big moments, which you know is what you need on a team like I this. I agree. I agree. I, I like him, and I, I he gets so much flack, and I'm with you. I'm I'm we're on the same page there about about Dirty Dan. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the last thing I want to say was the Texans. Uh, Deshaun Watson was twenty of twenty-five for two hundred forty-seven yards against the Bills. That's pretty darn good. He had a touchdown. I don't think he threw any interceptions. But nobody on the Texans team had over 55 yards rushing, and that was Watson who had that. And a lot of that was on one big run. No receiver had over 90 yards. Hopkins had that all in the second half. And the next closest receiver was Kenny Stills with 46 yards. I don't know if Fuller's going to be back yet. That's their. They keep saying that's their deep threat. Kenny Stills, I don't know if anybody knows, he can run too. That dude's fast. So you don't want either one of those dudes getting behind our secondary. But they didn't have big numbers in the offense. The defense had three sacks, no picks. I mean, just to me, it's just shaping up to be our defense is going to outplay your defense. Our great quarterback is going to outplay your great quarterback because it's at home and he's got more weapons and they're healthier. And our run game is going to outrun you because Carlos Hyde, I'm sorry, (laughs) buddy, but that team that you faced the first time around, it ain't the same anymore. There was no no Mike Pinnell. There was no T-Sizzle. I just it's not even the same. Chris Jones. We didn't have Chris Jones. No, I mean it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be it's a challenge. It's always a challenge. You know, you never know how they're gonna coach him up. But I tell you what, if O'Brien does what he did against the Bills in the first half, it could be mm-hmm. twenty one or twenty eight to nothing by halftime. Because that was oh. you know, in the second half they're the big compliment they're giving. Well, you know, he just came out in the second half and decided that whatever they're gonna do from here on out runs through Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, how is that not your plan going into the game? <laughs> the first 15 plays should be all about those two guys. And we'll throw one run in here just to keep people guessing. But how are you not throwing the ball up to D-Hop and, and just getting Wat- Watson moving around? It just it, it amazes me how, how sometimes coaches outthink it, I think. They just don't really, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, So any other final thoughts that you have on the, on this week's past uh, wild card games or on the road ahead. Oh, I did want to talk about one thing. This could be like a road for redemption. This is definitely going to be a rematch road because the Chiefs are playing the Texans now. Next week it's going to be either the Titans or the Ravens. Mm-hmm. And should we get to the Super Bowl, we could end up facing the Green Bay Packers, who we played again earlier in the year Whew. and didn't beat, or we could play the Vikings, who we did beat. So it could be a bunch of rematches all the way to the championship game. Right. And what... What a story that would be to have this type of a season that we've had and to have this uh, these final games, these final matchups that, you know, we could be bringing that Lamar Hunt trophy home. We could be bringing that, <laughs> the other really big one home. The Lombardi. So, <laughs> so, I mean, God, what a journey. What a story that would be to bring both of those home and uh, be able to do it with this kind of like these these comeback games, these rematches that are ahead of us right here so it's going to be quite a story but what you're like you said one game at a time <laughs> and should the titans win in baltimore mm-hmm. and green bay make it to the super bowl it would mean we would beat three of the four teams that had beaten us this season right colts not be notwithstanding because they didn't make the playoffs we'd have to go through the texans if the titans win the t- titans would have to come to arrowhead for the afc championship mm-hmm. so if we beat them we get the titans monkey off of our back because everybody seems to think that there are big kryptonite now which i'm like it's a joke it's a joke there's so many bad calls in the history of their games that's not happening this year patrick's like nope sorry moving turning the page baby it's a whole new franchise we're not doing those oh this is going to get you and that's going to get you there's none of that heebie-jeebiness going on this team is for real and then if we go to the super bowl and play the packers rematch of super bowl one 
in the hundredth year of the NFL. How right? epic! Oh, is that not like just perfect? Perfect. It's like destiny. <laughs> that it's like it's, it's yeah. Oh, I can't even. <laughs> right. I don't want to get way ahead of myself right now, but like all those feelings and the emotions that you get thinking about that moment. Oh man. Uh huh. Oh. Well, I haven't been. I have not been to Arrowhead yet. It's oh. one. I have not been there yet. I'm not going this week. Okay. If the Titans win and the Chiefs hold court for the AFC Championship, I'm pretty sure I'm getting on a plane. Okay. And going there to support my team for that monkey getting thrown off of their oh, back. Oh, my goodness. And it's just, you know, it's just this, it's not a monkey anymore. It's a gorilla. It's so it's such a big, like, taboo now. Oh, the Titans, this and the Titans. I'm done hearing that. I don't want to hear that anymore. Patrick didn't get outplayed. The defense didn't get outplayed. It was a rough game at their stadium on salute to service day and just so many weird off awful bad strange things had happened on special teams at the end of the game which just not happened in a dozen years has not happened the chances of those things happening again very unlikely right and the performance they had against the patriots if that's the best they can do they're going to get their doors kicked in i'm looking forward to seeing it it's a little tough to keep running the ball if you get down three scores and i think that's going to be andy's uh plan jump out ahead hold on to that score play sharp sound special teams and and make things happen against both the Texans and the Titans. I think yes. that's going to be the plan. Yes. I'm not looking past the Texans. I know that they're as dangerous as anybody right now in the playoffs. Nobody backed in. There's no Steelers, there's no Raiders sneaking into the playoffs this year. Everybody that got in there had a fighting chance. And uh there's eight teams left standing. And seven of them are new from last year. There's only one Isn't team that, that was in the divisional round last year, and guess who that is? <laughs> Chiefs Kingdom, it's your Kansas City Chiefs, in case you didn't know that. Everybody else is a new face. So onward and upward. It's always a pleasure having you on here. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure to talk with you about uh, our shared passion for our Chiefs. Next up, I'm going to be talking to Ryan Tracy from RGR Football and Locked On Chiefs podcast. And we're going to talk about some of the events of last week's wildcard round. And we're back with my good friend Ryan Tracy over at RGR Football and Locked on Chiefs. How are you doing today, Ryan? You know, I'm hanging in. Thanks for having me back. Right. And I had some, some technical snafus on the other side of the line there. And uh, it's, it makes it tough for this business. We had our own share of that on this side with Chiefs Wire. And every once in a while, you got to go back in and dig stuff out, fans. Just letting you know, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds to sound as pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but we do it because we love it. So here we are. It's uh, divisional round weekend. We're getting ready for this matchup, hosting the Texans. Um, just first of all, let me get your your thoughts, Carp Launch. What do you think on uh, face value of this matchup? You know, I, I hope that it it feels to the team like it feels to me, and that's it's a chance at a little bit of redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was not very happy with the way they played uh, earlier in the season. Uh, I had picked them to win anyway, but mm-hmm. the fact that so many people were out, I, I really still felt like they could overcome that, and they didn't. So hopefully they're just as uh, aggravated as I am, and they could take that to heart, and I think that might be a good bit of fuel for this team. Well, you know what they couldn't overcome? They couldn't overcome um, Patrick Mahomes not throwing an interception and them saying he threw an interception on a free play, <laughs> and they couldn't overcome uh, DeAndre Hopkins fumbling the ball for a Chiefs touchdown and then them saying it's not a fumble. Because apparently when you're getting tackled to the ground, it's forward progress before you get to the ground. 
Um, apparently, Ford Progress is only a bugaboo for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the only the only team that gets really harassed into into losses by that thing. I don't don't think ask that Derek Johnson. Oh my gosh, two times. Him and, him and, him and Sorensen both. I don't think it's going to be a problem in the playoffs this year. I think that this team is is uh, resolute in their commitment to Super Bowl or bust. Basically, um, I certainly hope so. Yeah, I mean they the Bills got to. Watson, I believe, seven times in that game. And I think that our front seven is equally up to the task of getting after the quarterback. What's your uh, over-under? I know sometimes you guys over on the other side do your over-under on the on sacks in the game. What are you looking at? What's your Yeah, we're opinion? putting it at four and a half this time. Um, uh-huh. And I'm actually going to take the over, but just slightly. Like, if it were five and a half, I probably wouldn't take it. Right. Um, because I feel like, especially after we saw what he did late last week, yeah. I feel like you have to rush with a little bit of an eye towards where he is. I don't sure. think it's going to be the all out, like fire all jets and go after him. Cause he's just proven that even when you think you have him wrapped up, that he can break the pocket and mm-hmm. that he can actually really hurt you. Then, I mean, it's very similar. He and Mahomes, the way that they play and they're mm-hmm. pushed out of the pocket and they're made to scramble. Uh, I think that's some of their best work. Both of them. Yeah. I think Deshaun's a little faster too. Yeah. Um, what he what he what he loses in accuracy downfield to Mahomes, he makes up for in speed. So it's kind of like a it's kind of like a, a, a balancing act between the two of them. Who's better, depending on what situation it is. Um, I think I think a good rush. If we can rush four and get back there, great. Mm-hmm. If we have to blitz one guy, as long as we have a spy mirror, I think we'll be all right. Just don't let him break anything big. That's that's my biggest concern is like not letting him get loose for like a large run. Yeah, I did look into some numbers though with the quarterbacks, and um, it's it's just amazing. There's like one, two, three, four quarterbacks in the playoffs out of the eight that are still there that have 26 touchdowns: <laughs> uh, Cousins, Rogers, Mahomes, and Watson. Garoppolo at 27, Tannehill at 22, and Wilson and Jackson were the only ones over 30 with 31 and 36 respectively. Jackson, Tannehill, and Cousins all had six picks. Watson had 12. Garoppolo had 13. Wilson and Mahomes only had five with an asterisk next to Mahomes. Yeah. And Rodgers had four. So, you know, our guy's taking care of the ball. And then I looked over at the fumble side, and that was interesting and telling because I know there's obviously more opportunities because they run the ball. But Jackson and Watson, they both had seven rushing touchdowns, but Jackson had eight fumbles, and Watson had six. They only lost three between them, but they they give you chances to take the ball away. Kirk Cousins had five. And wow, just, I would not have guessed that. Getting, that's from people getting to him. Yeah, <laughs> that's, well. he only had one touchdown. That's not a surprise. But uh, every quarterback that's in the playoffs right now has at least one rushing touchdown, which is you know, I guess they all are doing something right. There's an aspect. Yeah, Wilson. I was surprised he had three touchdowns, three fumbles, and he lost two of them. Hmm. I thought he took a little bit of care back there, but you know, maybe just those probably those shots from San Francisco. One of them, to be fair, was a attempted handoff. He fumbled it to an old lineman, and the old lineman dropped the ball, and and uh, the Niners took that one. I remember that quite. Specifically. Was that the first game? I, I vaguely the remember that one, as yeah. well. Yeah, that was the first one. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's only two quarterbacks in the playoffs right now who have a QB rating below 100, and that's Rodgers and Watson. Mm-hmm. But I do like the fact, I mean, we're looking at Watson, as good as he is, he's thrown 12 picks, he's fumbled the ball six times. What do you think the uh, the other over-under, what do you think the turnovers are going to be? Because I think it should have been plus two for us in the last game. 
that obviously didn't happen. But what do you think is going to happen with uh, with Watson and his ball control? You know, I, I think he will give the ball away at least once. I think the team will give it away at least twice. I just don't know what the Chiefs are going to do in the opposite end. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you this. You heard him talk a little bit about it, but I think it's really kind of flying under a lot of radar, at least in Kansas City, that Kevin Johnson was on the field last week. Yeah. And knew what the plays were, was able to call them out. In fact, that play that really sealed the game for him, getting it to Taiwan Jones, was a play where Watson said he knew what was coming because they knew what he was trying to do. So he had to go to like his fourth read off the bat. Wow. And no no offense to Kevin Johnson. No. But if he knows what they're doing, Tyron Matthew knows what they're doing. So oh, I, sure. I feel like there's going to be a lot of opportunities there mm-hmm. um, for Matthew in particular, but the secondary in general. Okay, going to a um, 80s comedic movie villain thought process. <laughs> could it be that's the case and that's going to be a great benefit for us? Or could it be the I know that you know that I know that you know situation where it's like maybe they let that sound bite out? And they're going to count on Teron Matthew thinking he sees something and it's not going to be what they think it is. You think there will be a little bit of that going on? Or do you think that they're just – I personally feel like even if they did that, I think our defense has come so far that they're not going to fall into too many um, visual adjustment traps. I think they're going to play sound defense and play their role and and stick to what's gotten them where they are right now. I see where you're coming in, and I don't feel like anything's a trap. I'm thinking specifically that it's about tendencies, it's about instincts, and that's what Matthew himself knows. Mm-hmm. I don't think you make adjustments on the defense. Mm-hmm. But I'll also say this. Bill Bryant is not Bill Belichick. No. I don't think there's that many heady games going on. I don't think there's specific leaks or anything. Right. So I'm taking the players at their gut level because uh, I think that that's the truth. Yeah, and he's not Andy Reid. Andy Reid, uh, one stat I saw on, um, I want to give him credit, I'll think of his name after, I'm sure. Uh, Briscoe, I think, was the one saying it, but, uh, you know, mm. not only in regular season is Andy 17-3 and coming off of the bye, in the playoffs, he's 5-0. and So so there's that. I'll count that as a, as a positive in our corner. <laughs> um, yeah. I know you, for one, are one of the people I've listened to. I had a photo screenshot of it somewhere. Somebody had listed it. I don't know where it is right now. Rather than me search for it, why don't you tell our, our audience out there who was missing? Who were we missing in that first time around and who was added after that as far as pickups? It might be easier to tell you who was there. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, <laughs> Watkins, Fisher were both hurt. Mm-hmm. Hill and Mahomes were both playing hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Wiz wasn't on the roster yet. Right. Wiley wasn't in the game, so you had Rankin at left guard. You had Cam Irving at left tackle. Ouch. Um, So there's a whole half of the offensive line that you could attack that aren't Mm going to be there now. Mike Pinnell wasn't on the roster. Um, So many guys. Terrell Suggs. Well, yeah, I wasn't even going to get to him yet. (laughs) But like just guys that to defend the run, right? Right. Uh, Pinnell, Hitchens wasn't on the field. There were so many guys missing at the time that Mm -hmm. it's like, it, it, they really are night and day different just in terms of the personnel, let alone the progress they've made. Yeah. I remember feeling like watching that game and knowing how much um, Mahomes was struggling with that ankle. And I watched uh, um, pro football talk today and, and Peter King came out. I, I, I have a lot of respect for Peter King and he's had a long career. and he, I love most of his work, but he, he intimated that, Oh, and Patrick Mahomes wasn't even hurt yet. He didn't get hurt till the next week. I'm like, Dude, he was limping around the pocket for like four weeks by then, and he'd gotten aggravated the week before. Again yet? No, he didn't have his knee injury yet, but his ankle was <laughs> right. jacked, and he was not the guy he is now. And 
especially since the Chargers game, the second one, we've seen his mobility and how it's it's come pretty much all the way back. I'm sure he's still, you know, maybe 0.05% of him is still cautious of the knee, but sure. when he's when he's had a hole, when they get worried about him throwing the ball, which is rational and defenses should do that, he takes liberties with those open spaces and open lanes to run. He's not holding back like that that game in the Colts game, he was just not the guy he normally is. And Oh, another thing I looked at was kudos to our offensive line because of all the quarterbacks that are left in the in the playoffs right now, he was sacked 17 times, just 17 times. The next closest was Jackson with 23 sacks, which mm. is going to happen with mobile guys. Sure. Cousins with 28. Rodgers got sacked 36 times. Watson was sacked 44 times. Wow. So I like those numbers. I like the fact that he turns the ball over and he's – been the second most sacked quarterback left in the playoffs behind Russell Wilson. Well, and you'll hear people complain that maybe he bails on pockets too early because he's used to mm-hmm. getting the pressure. And I can see that complaint, except for the fact that he knows what he can do when he breaks the pocket. Uh-huh. Sean Watson, like we talked about earlier, probably faster, probably better at gaining yards with his legs. Yeah. But clearly doesn't have the same anticipation to break the pocket when he should. And if he leave, tries to leave late, that's why it leads to 40-plus sacks rather than 17. So I, I'll take that every time. Whether it is a habitual thing that actually limits your yards per play gained or whatever, right. that's fine because I think we've all come to realize that, you know, third and 18 is, you know, a standard play for this offense. Yeah, and the um, he, he's got a bit of a Jim Kelly in him where he, like, when guys are going deep, he wants that deep throw, and he'll hold the ball. Mm-hmm. And if he holds the ball against us, man, it could get real ugly real fast because I don't remember which two guys it was in the Bills that got taken apart on that last play that should have had him. But if that's Frank Clark and Terrell Suggs, or God forbid Chris Jones and Terrell Suggs, yeah. it's not going to turn <laughs> out that way. No, I have to think it won't. Who on their offense right now concerns you the most as far as not letting him have a huge day? Well, you know, I mean, uh, Nuke is Nuke, right? Uh, I do feel like you have to double him, I think, especially given the fact that you don't have Thornhill back here. It Uh makes it harder to play single high. Mm -hmm. So I would like to see them come out and play cover three and play more zones on the outside to give somebody over the top. But if you want to get that single high thing or maybe even just bracket him yeah. maybe you play cover two and you keep two safeties back there that one is is just paying attention to hopkins and then you let ward be his aggressive self and mm-hmm. get up in his face try to get hands on his shoulder pads hops real good at that so yeah. it, it's going to be a battle but i think that's strength on strength i think the key factor is on the other side if fuller's really ready to run yeah. and that's still definitely a question mark mm-hmm. he may play this game but his hamstring really ready to hit that high gear that's also a situation where you might have to bracket him high as well. And then that leads to underneath zones and then the running backs come into play. And I think that's the spot that in terms of moving the ball down the field, completions to the running backs are probably the biggest weak spot. I was listening to the uh, game preview that if you search Google, I don't even know. I think it's NFL that does it, but it's uh, the one with um, um, Bucky Brooks and all those guys chime in Ah. on there. Everybody's picking the chiefs. But the whole thing yeah. leads off with, well, you don't forget, week six, this happened and that happened. And I'm just like, and the thing they dragged forward, <laughs> which still cracks me up, is, well, you know, the Achilles heel for the Chiefs defense is their run defense. And I'm I'm like, has no one seen the turn since the first Broncos game? 
The, the Derrick Henry game anomaly aside, and I've had my issues with that game already with the whole everything, whatever. But aside from that game, people have been pr- pretty much bottled up, and the Chiefs have outrushed most of their opponents since that game. Yeah. And we don't even try to really commit to the run so much. They just, they're better at it than people think they are. And I think that goes for the defense. They're better at run defense than people think they are. Now, I don't think coaches are being duped. I think coaches realize that their defense has improved against the run. Mm-hmm. And and the pass defense has just been like smooth sailing and high altitude for pretty much the whole season. That's been awesome. Um, I do think we're going to miss Juan Thornhill. But I like the fact that the endorsement that Fuller gets, our Fuller, from the from the coaches and in, in that how intelligent he is and how he's – comparable to Teron Matthew and, and having those two in there flipping back and forth. You don't know who's coming. You don't know who's dropping back. You don't know who's going after the ball. You don't know who's going to rush the quarterback. Dirty Dan sneaking around like a snake in the grass like he does and just shoots the gap every once in a while. I right. really like our chances to get to him a number of times and take the ball away. I think they're going to take it from him specifically a couple of times, whether it's two picks or a pick and a forced fumble. Yeah, And then the backs, if there's too much pressure on the backs to make things happen, Hey, meet Mike Pinnell. Meet healthy Chris Jones. Oh, by the way, T Sizzle jumped on board since the last time we played you. It, and Frank doesn't have a stinger anymore that he wasn't talking about because he didn't want sympathy. I'm like, it's kind of, I mean, when something that shuts down half your body, you can let people know that maybe this is why I'm struggling because I saw some some hate tweets. I was in the, the department of my jury's still out because I know he's come to a new system and it's a new team and we weren't that great last year. And give him a second and give him, a, and then when he came out with that, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's. That's different. Yeah. One of those big old linemen thunders a fist down on your shoulder and you've already got a stinger. Half your body just wants to fall in a heap. It can't really be productive. Well, and you have no grip strength. You have no, you know, block strength. You can't get that, that pull out there and use your, your one arm, which is an effective technique for Clark. Mm -hmm. So I I think keeping it secret is probably helping him. There are tackles that noticed it on film, but I'll bet you there were tackles that didn't notice it because not everybody studies film as well as they should. So, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, more power to him. And, you know, I always come back to the Tennessee game because everyone points at that as the big debacle. And you're right. They are underestimating how well they played the run down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Some of that's their opponents, too. Sure. And so the thing that for me is they have to guard against being too cute because they let Derek Henry run all over him because they were too cute. They didn't play Pinnell when they had him. Right. They, they let Joey Ivy play. And so you got to come in there and it, it goes into balancing your game, your game day roster, who the 45 is. They have to come out and they have to play Reggie. They have to play Pinnell. They have to get that rotation at the tackle spot in there because it may not be, you know, run, run, pass, but mm-hmm. they're going to come back to it and they're going to try to get Carlos Hyde going. They will continue to poke them and you have to be able to stop the run first and foremost. Of course. Or they will just do it all day long. Especially with a mobile quarterback like Watson. I, I The thing I take heart in as I feel as a fan of the team, I feel that Spags is very well aware and on board with what Rags and Pinnell bring to the table at this point. There's no more second guessing of yeah. their value against the run. And the three teams that we have left to possibly face, every one of them is a mobile quarterback running based offense. We're the only team that we can run, but it's mainly, the, I mean, the main factor is the passing game. Mm-hmm. That's the strength. If you're going to lean at 60, 40, 70, 30, what have you. Every other team that's in the AFC right now is run first. And I kind of like that we bring a little something different to the table. Not, not you know, 
discounting the reigning MVP because he's still the reigning MVP, everyone. Yes, he is. It's like, you can say what you want about Lamar. Absolutely. Mahomes is still the man until he's not the man at the end of the year. And hopefully at the end of the year, he's not winning the MVP, but he's raising the Lombardi. Who do you uh, look to to have the biggest impact for the Chiefs offense this week? Man, I, I tell you, this sets up pretty well because you're going to get the Tyreek Kill treatment for him. Mm-hmm. There's some decent safety play in the back. There's a couple of guys here or there that can can play the corners. I think they're okay in the slot, but not great. Right. I'm not a huge Hargraves guy, but once you double Hill and you have to pay attention to Sammy, I think Sammy comes out and part of the game plan is to get Sammy going early. Yeah. Because I feel especially if you're running slants and sluggos and that intermediate crosser that he does so well, you start hitting him on that and it pulls everybody up. And I think that opens it up. For Kelsey a little bit, they're going to pay a lot of attention to him too. But I think the guy that really reaps the benefit is what we've seen all season in very small doses. I think Hardman could have a huge day down the seams yeah. trying to attack them deep, but it's going to be a couple of big plays. It's not going to be a steady diet for yeah. McCall Hardman. Which I mean is usually his contribution. And that's that's the other thing. It's this is he's got ten more weeks of experience than he had. Well, yeah. 11 more games of experience than he had walking into that game because that was week six, right? Six. So he'd, yeah. only been on the, he'd only been on the team for five regular season weeks. So his knowledge is going to be a lot higher. The team's, I mean, just having Patrick healthy is such a huge thing. Having that O-line healthy and ready to roll. And everybody's talking about J.J. Watt. He played uh, 52 snaps against the yeah. Bills. That was like 61%. So... You know, we'll see how he does. I mean, the last time he got majorly injured before the Peck thing was against us when one of our right tackles thundered in on his shoulder and, you know, crushed the cartilage or the bone inside of his knee. So, again, I will just submit to people out there, while he is a monster of a man, O-linemen aren't afraid of DNs or linebackers as far as power and strength and being a big guy. And they, they're concerned about their ability and their talent, but they're like, okay, let's – do the dancing bear routine and let's see who wins. Right. It's kind of that thing. And there's ways around that as well. We have so many fast options. Like I was just watching some, some highlights. I think it was balding or it was putting it out there. And he always puts out good stuff and just the multiple options that Andy Reed puts on the table for games where like three guys are in motion, four guys. Are, and they showed one where Patrick wasn't even in the game. It was, it was Matt Moore, Matt Moore, and like three guys in motion. <laughs> the defense's heads are all on a swivel and he just lobs it over their heads to Travis Kelsey, who everyone forgot about because, you know, pick your poison yeah. when there's four or five bottles of poison on the table, it gets really tricky. And Andy's moving well, him around like three card Monty, you know, <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing about being in the spot that they are and having gotten the buy. Yeah. You have them all. You have a full onslaught of weapons where if you hadn't, maybe that makes a much bigger difference in what you can do. Because right now I'm completely with you. They don't they don't know. They don't have the ability to cover everyone. Mm -hmm. And the guns are loaded, man. It's like there's there's not an empty chamber in the pistol this time around. There's no. Right. I mean, that said, there's no excuses. The Chiefs on paper. If, and this is no disrespect to the Texans. The Texans have some great athletes, and they did beat us early in the season. If both teams play to their potential, we should beat them by 10 points. Yeah. we should, Kansas City should win by 10 points unless they play down to another level that they're much more capable than. I see Patrick. What, what, what's interesting to me is I'm curious. I wonder if he'll have more rushing yards than Deshaun Watson. If that happens... 
we're beating them by 13 plus. Oh, if yeah. If they let Patrick yeah. get loose and we contain Deshaun, that means things aren't going well for the Texans. Well, and I don't I don't anticipate that. Right. But I will tell you this. I will not be surprised at all if there's so much attention on the skill position, guys, mm-hmm. that what we saw a couple of weeks ago when he's able to to bootleg the opposite direction yeah. and have free sailing to the corner pylon, I do expect Mahomes to win and get in the, the end zone on the ground. Yeah, this, the speed at linebacker that the Chiefs have is better than the Texans. The secondary, it's no – I mean, as much as Chief fans and Chiefs Kingdom complain about the secondary and this and that, our secondary is much better than theirs and has played at a much higher level. And, again, it could be you and I spoke off air uh, yesterday to this point. Um, actually, no, it was your live stream thing. I was At first oh. I was Dan D, and then I realized I had changed it over the holidays, and I put it back to Thunder Dan. So <laughs> the first two questions by Dan D were actually me. Oh. The one about would you teleport through the TV, that was me being silly. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Somebody tried to hurt Patrick. <laughs> I expect to see Patrick to come out and, and just play his A game. I just think he's going to be cold-blooded. I think he's going to be – the way he was against Denver, the way he was the last game of the season, which is I can sling it mm-hmm. in anything, bring it on. That crowd's going to be loud. Yep, that ca- they're going to be going crazy. I can I'm just. I thought about going, and I'm like, no, I haven't been to Arrowhead yet. Wow, I've not been to Arrowhead yet. All these years, I've been a Chiefs fan. I've seen them in L.A. I've seen them in Denver. I've seen them in Tennessee. I've never seen them at home, and I'm saving that because just in case next week, in case the Titans get through the Ravens, which I don't. I don't know that they will, but I think it's I think they have a better chance than people think, but I don't think that they will. But who knows? Oh yeah. But if that happens, <laughs> that's like a huge redemption game for Kansas City because that Tennessee game was a debacle at the end of the game. Last five minutes. Do that last five minutes over, we beat them by ten. But uh if that happens and the Chiefs host the AFC championship game, if ticket prices aren't disgusting, because I don't know how much they amp them up for the AFC championship. I know the Super Bowl is <laughs> ridiculous. That's not happening. I'll rent a bar out and watch it in a bar in town before I do that. But uh, I'd love to save that for that. But yeah, now we can't look past these guys. This is a, a dangerous team with a dangerous quarterback that's used to championship games. It, it's interesting how his career has been kind of a, not a dichotomy. What's the word I'm looking for? It's been a little weird. Just he like in college and in high school, I guess before that, he was so clutch in these huge games last week they struggled mightily mm-hmm. and his their playoff games previously it hasn't been good what do you think it is besides it's obviously another level it's the nfl and people are faster and et cetera, et cetera, and maybe nfl defenses are more complex is there is there one or two things you think you could break it down to as to why he has had more trouble in the playoffs at the nfl level well deshaun's always been somebody that that really gets there. But I think his talent has been so ahead of the game at, at the college level. Right. That he didn't have to pull it out that often. You know, like his his average game was that much farther ahead of everybody. Right. And now it is the competition where, you know, NFL defense are playing 97% of what he can do. So he's got to get to that top 3% of his output mm-hmm. in order to make it look like that. But that said, you know, I, I can't really think of much else he could have done last week if if him taking that team on his shoulders like he did, if there had been a couple of bad plays where it didn't go that way, I, I literally would be walking out of that game saying there's nothing else he could have done personally. Sure. So I think you've seen what he is at his best. Um, and, and, you know, folks will complain at me because I had Sean Watson above Patrick Mahomes on my draft board that mm-hmm. year because of those things. It's the, the intangibles, the fact that he has that, that last couple of things, but 
he can't do it himself, and I think that's the difference. Uh, at the NFL level, people still have to get open for him to be effective. I will say that I didn't have him above Patrick, but I had him high. <laughs> he, was, he was my number two guy. He was my number two guy, and my mentality was, you know, it was like I said before. I, I actually was talking to the TV saying, please say Patrick Mahomes when they traded up. And my buddy said, I thought you liked Deshaun. I like Deshaun. I like him a lot. I love Patrick Mahomes and what I think he can. I think he could be Aaron Rodgers 2.0. And so far, yeah, so good. I called him 1A and 1B because I felt like Mahomes needed farther to go footwork wise. Sure. Because it, it was it was risk versus reward. He had a higher mm-hmm. ceiling, but he had farther to go. Whereas Watson, I felt, could walk in and run Andy's offense as well. And think about it now. Feel how he's doing with O'Brien's offense. If right. it had worked out the other way. I don't know. The Chiefs might still be in a very similar position with Watson running the read offense. And missing time because he tore his ACL in practice in that first season. He was on right. an MVP pace for sure. But yeah, and that's the thing. If he would have came to us, if he would have came to Kansas City, he would have had a year behind Alex to just learn everything mm-hmm. and then get far. I don't don't think he would have been far off of as crazy as it sounds. I don't think he would have been far off of Mahomes' pace last year. He might have had, you know, eight or ten fewer touchdown passes, but he would have probably had six or seven hundred more yards rushing. Yeah, and I think he would have outperformed what he did in Texas. Sure. I mean, well, just given the weapons and the toys he had to play with there. So what's your prediction, sir? Do you have one for tomorrow, or have you not leaked that out to the world yet? (sighs) I haven't leaked it out because I'm just not 100% on it, but I'll give you my 90%. Okay. I do feel that that Mahomes runs one in, and I do feel that they're going to have more of a battle than I think – I don't think what we saw in the first half from the Texans is what we're going to get in Arrowhead. Sure. I, I think that's a slap in the face, and they got, they got a good enough wake-up call. They're going to come in ready better than they did last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that they're going to work on getting Hyde going. I'll bet you Hyde gets somewhere around 70, 80 yards. Yeah. And I'm perfectly fine with that. That's doing your job if you're the Chiefs defense. So at the end of the day, I, I just don't feel that they can t- contain the skill players on Kansas City's side. So. Uh, I'm going to call it, it is going to be a high scoring game because I think both of them will get going, but I, I am going to call it 31, 27 chiefs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say, hmm. I think part of it is they keep hide the over under. I think he stays under 65 yards. Um, yeah. I think they're going to take the ball away a few times. That's going to cause a problem for the Texans. Um, when we played them the first time, even as limited as we were with, with injuries and whatnot, and not having certain players on the roster yet, it was still 17, three to start the game out. If something like that happens again, it's going to get painful mm-hmm. real quick because I don't think Andy lets off the gas till halfway through the fourth quarter this time around, especially knowing that they beat us in the past and hope so. You know, he's Andy's got to be hungrier than anybody on the planet for that first ring. I feel like it's going to be about 37-21, maybe maybe 35-17. The Chiefs are going to mm-hmm. win this one. Okay. And the defense will be a large part of that. The defense will be bringing the hammer. There's no way I can see that that front seven for that Tennessee game, for the Colts game, and for the Texans game, they owe this kingdom. They owe their franchise. <laughs> they owe themselves. And it was was Briscoe. He was talking about. He said he knows a number of the guys in the team. One other thing he did say was, I know a few of these guys personally. They're still mad about last year. They felt robbed about the Chris Jones penalty, about D Ford six inches into the neutral zone, and they feel like they would have gone to the Super Bowl and just pasted the Rams. And they are still mad, and they still want that back. They want that payback this year. So they should. I think that they turned the corner after that Tennessee game, and I think that it's full steam ahead. There should be no let up uh, defensively as far as aggression, and they're they're just they don't seem like they're thinking anymore. They seem like they're just going. And I mean, I try to follow the offense, and 
used to be able to like kind of look and go, oh, I think he's going to throw it over. I can't. I have no idea half the time where Patrick's <laughs> going now. I'm like, well, that guy looks kind of – and then he, all of a sudden there's somebody streaking wide open across the middle of the field or down the side. I'm like, how did that guy get that wide open? So I, I trust in Big Red to uh, to let us jump out to a big lead and keep them at bay largely, especially if Fuller's out. The Texans actually lost uh, Clark in last game. I don't know if he's back this week or not. They're right tackle. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I haven't seen the practice reports yet. The other teams are experiencing some of what we had early in the season, which is offensive line instability. So I'm hoping then that bodes well down the stretch. Hope these guys will be back next season to play. But this year, hey, you know what? We had our turn of being weaker than we should have been. We've gotten healthy at the right time. We've got the extra week and a day over the Ravens to heal up. So let's take care of business against these mean old Texans, knock them out <laughs> with the original Texans team beating the new Texans team. And let's uh, move on to that AFC championship hosting that game. Ryan, it's always a pleasure having you on here, man. Hey, thanks. Appreciate you. Uh, yeah, I have a blast. Thanks for doing it again. Well, happy new year. And I hope you guys do great things going forward on RGR and locked on chiefs. And we're going to move on. Next interview is going to be with my good friend, Talon Graff. We're going to talk a little more chiefs football in this long Red Friday roundtable because, hey, it's divisional round, people. Let's talk some football. Rock on. Back in a minute. And welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom. As I said, uh, my next guest is Talon Graff, the coach, back once again on the Red Friday roundtable, ready for the division round of the playoffs. How you doing, Talon? Hey, man, I'm doing great. It's, it's been a minute since we talked. It's, it's good to hear your voice again. Thank you, sir. Ditto. It's been it's been a minute. It's too long. Next week, we're definitely talking again. We're talking the rest of the way through and hopefully all the way through to a Super Bowl championship. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three more games. Let's do it. That's right. First, let's touch on the we could touch on the fact that at the very least we've got a rematch run ahead of us through the uh, next two games because we played the Texans earlier in the season and then we played both Baltimore and the Titans earlier in the season. Two of those teams beat us. Uh, they beat the Chiefs by one score. Every loss this year has been by one score. And the Texans one was pretty questionable with the with the the pick that should have been not a pick. It was a free play for Patrick, and they called it that way, and they gave us the yardage, and we marched it up, and then they had a referee huddle, the famous referee huddle, the what-can-we-call-against-the-Chiefs-to-turn-this-around huddle. And uh, they decided not only was it not a free play, but the interception counted. They were not going to call the holding on the guy who drove – Travis Kelsey into the ground either. So we know how that turned out. And then they got the uh, fumble by DeAndre Hopkins turned around. So instead of being plus two in the turnover column, we lost those two turnovers. And we should have wrapped them up pretty solid, even though we were missing a lot of guys. We had some guys that weren't even on the team yet. Guys were playing injured. It was still a tight game. Down the stretch, the Texans weren't playing that great. And they limped into the playoffs backwards. They didn't play guys and let the Titans run all over them, which... I'm sure Baltimore is really grateful about right now because <laughs> they're going to get a slobber knock game coming up on Saturday. Um, and I love the fact that we're the number two seed because we get that extra day off as well. And, I mean, if we beat the Texans and the Titans somehow win, they got to come to Arrowhead for the AFC Championship, and that's another rematch. And then, hey, if the Green Bay Packers make it all the way through, rematch number three, we'd play three of the teams that beat us out of the four all the way to the Super Bowl. And not only would Green Bay be a rematch of Week 8, but it would also be a rematch of Super Bowl One in the 100th-year NFL. So kind of symmetrical, kind of everything comes around, you know. And uh, hopefully we get the W this time because they did beat us in Super Bowl One. But uh, that's a lot of me blabbing. What are your thoughts, first of all, on the uh, on the Texans matchup? 
Yeah, I mean, if all if all that happens that you just laid out, that would be perfectly poetic, and that would, that, especially in the hundred year anniversary of the NFL, that'd be great. But anyway, yeah, the Texans and the Chiefs part two. We were missing so many guys, and I know it's been talked about at nauseum, so I don't want to get too much into it. But we have so many guys that are going to be on the field that weren't the first time. And the the key factor, I think, might be Trell Suggs. Yeah. And he's the biggest benefactor of that week off because not only do the guys get healthy, but he gets to learn the defense a little bit more. He gets a little bit more um, comfortable in the yep. system. I think Trell Suggs is going to be the Trell Suggs that – everybody's been used to seeing in his prime career. And I think he's going to go off. I think he might get two or three sacks, to be quite honest with you. I think he's going to be on the field quite a bit. Uh, I think he's going to benefit from Chris Jones getting double teamed or possibly triple teamed. I doubt he gets triple teamed, but I do think Trell Suggs is going to benefit from the attention Chris Jones will garner. And I think Trell Suggs might go off, and I'm going to call it. I think Trell Suggs gets the MVP of this win. Well, we have that's – a, that's a big call. We We also have – an opponent who just gave up seven sacks to the Bills. And while the Bills have a stout defense, I mean, we have the two guys you mentioned, Suggs and Chris Jones. We also have Frank Clark just sitting there in the weeds. And he's been <laughs> he's been a force going coming down the stretch. Um Naughty and Pennell in the middle are gonna Pennell's gonna stop the run game. I mean they're just gonna I think they're gonna clog it up. I don't think Hyde gets sixty five more more yards. I don't think he gets that that much this time around. I know he went over the century mark against the first time. This is a different run defense. Not only that, down the stretch, uh, I heard today on NFL Network, they were finally giving them some credit. They said they were a top five run defense in the last five or six games. And on top of that, they've been a top five pass defense pretty much the whole season. And they're taking the ball away. They're intercepting passes. They're forcing fumbles. We're playing a quarterback who fumbled the ball six times this year. He only lost one. But he puts it on the ground. If you get after him and you hit him, you can get him to cough it up. So I'm looking forward to seeing if our defense can uh, can get plus three or better in the in the turnover column and get to that quarterback five plus times. What do you think the over under on sacks is going to be against the Texans this week? I'm I'm looking at six. Yeah, especially if Terrell Suggs can get half of those. Chris Jones is probably going to get at least one, and you gotta you gotta account for Frank Clark getting at least one as well. So I mean. You get those guys, and you're going to probably get a blitzing linebacker or a D-back maybe gets in there and gets one. So I'm going to say over-under six. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, either Matthew or Fuller's going to get in there, maybe Sorensen. I think they're going to be coming from all over the place. Spags is going to have all kinds of soup cooked up for them. And Andy Reid coming off of the bye, 17-3 and in the regular season, 5-0 and in the playoffs. That's just gross. That's <laughs> just like line, it's just like line them up, tie them to a pole, give them a blindfold and a cigarette. You know, it's it's pretty much very uphill climb, let's say, to be fair, uh, for the opponent. Now that said, they have a very talented quarterback. He had a great play where he escaped at the end of the game. I don't think if that's Frank Clark and Charles Suggs, he gets out of that. I think that's I think it's a wrap. And if it's Chris Jones on him, it's just gonna be a mauling. We need to contain him for sure. I think we'll miss Juan Thornhill, but I think we'll be okay. I think I got a feeling Fuller's going to have a game. I feel like he's going to he's going to do some things that the opponent's not expecting. Um, if we can, if Fuller on their side, if Will Fuller is nicked up, then that benefits us for sure. I think uh, Kendall Fuller is going to have a possibly a pick this game, and maybe a sack on top of it. I'm just looking forward to all the guys stepping up. Next man up. We lost one. Next man up. Let's see what the secondary can do. With that said, uh, let's talk about something we haven't talked about in the other interviews. Uh, let's talk about the other playoff games. What about uh, Titans-Ravens? What do you have going on over there? 
Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see an upset here, um, and I say that a little haphazardly. Mm-hmm. The Titans are a dangerous team. Yeah. Now, their record didn't show it, but they are dangerous. With the running game of Derrick Henry, and, and, and it's too cliche at this point in the game, but running games win in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and that's what the t- uh, Titans have. Mm-hmm. They have a good running game with Derrick Henry. He's been on a roll. Um, leading. He led the league in rushing this year, which is – Remarkable. He, he seemed he's he's always kind of been that tweener. Is he is he a bust? Is he not? He's he's streaky, um, but he seems to be finding his stride right now. And, and right, he, this is the best football he's played uh, out of his pro career. And, and I think the the Ravens are going to have a a time keeping him contained. And the Ravens are dealing with their own injuries. Mm-hmm. They got uh, Mark Andrews a little beat up, who's the leading receiver for the team. Yep. Um, but. And, and Mark Ingram, the leading rusher for the team, he's he didn't participate in the practice. His, he's day to day right now. Um, guys got got guys like Earl Thomas, who's up in the air for his status as well. So there's a lot of key guys for that Ravens team. And they're, I think they're kind of in this situation where they might be primed for an upset. Uh, now, granted, at this point, everybody's kind of dealing with injuries, mm-hmm. um, but. And, and, and the main argument against that is, hey, the Ravens still have Lamar Jackson, who's most likely going to get the MVP this year. So that's the key thing. No Mark, in- no Mark Ingram, no Mark Andrews. That's going to be tough for the Ravens to overcome. But Lamar Jackson, um, that's the biggest thing the Titans have to slow down. And I, I do see the Titans upsetting the Ravens. I think it's going to be like a one, two-point game. Yeah, that uh, you can't unders- underscore that uh... – Mark Ingram injury enough. Everybody's talking. Oh, they said after the after the game. Oh, it's not that bad of a. The way he went down on a non-contact injury, and then he tried to get up and walk in and went down again. That's not a good sign for a running back. Mm. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been their bell cow for sure. Gus Edwards can play. He's a nice compliment, but it's been the weight of the team has been on Mark's back, and there's not going to be any let up from that Tennessee defense. They're going to be coming after it. I know they have Justice Hill. I spoke to Ryan about that. That you know he's got a different kind of set of skills. But is he going to be Willie Parker, where he's a speed guy and he just takes care of the ball and he gets open and takes off and makes big plays, or is he going to be a guy that coughs up the pill once he has more carries? He hasn't had a lot of duty on the field this season. And uh, what do you think the uh, what time in the game if he's held out, Mark Ingram? How long before you think? One of the commentators says they're really missing Ingram today. <laughs> Second quarter, third quarter, like what? When's it going to really? One of the commentators going to start harping on that? I th- I, it won't be long. I think it'll be probably halfway through the through the first quarter, possibly even at the ten minute mark. They'll, they're going to say that'll be a big talking point if Ingram does not go. Yeah, and they lost Parker Anger, and they signed uh, Andre Smith, he of the uh, Bengals back in the day, thirty two, thirty three year old guy, off of uh, the couch. So that's not great for the offensive line. And didn't they lose a center earlier in the season? So, I mean, you can get after Lamar if you can contain him. I'm sure they'll take a look at the Bills tape because the Bills held that team to 118 yards mm-hmm. uh, rushing. And I think that they're going to take a look at that. They've got some sneaky, decent corners that uh, I think will match up well with the Ravens receiving core, especially since it's mostly tight ends. That's, that's the guys who are doing the damage. Like you said, Andrews has an ankle problem so it'll be interesting to see how how he can go i mean they have two other guys in hurst and um who's the other guy i can't remember you have to draft a whole bunch of them in two years yeah yeah they're they're loaded at tight end yeah it's just it's going to be interesting because you know anders has been the guy he's been the he's been the safety blanket and if he can't go or if he's hobbled a little bit and you know i mean i was at the tennessee game they're gonna be thumping 
that those linebackers are going to be hitting them on every play. They're going to be trying to, you know, rack them up a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see if Lamar can uh, take that next step because this is his first playoff game since last year. The bye week's great, but is it going to be rest or rust? He's a young guy. He hasn't done well in the playoffs. Last year, the Chargers beat him up pretty bad. Had a little stretch down the end where he played a little bit better, but he put the ball on the ground a bunch in that game too. So it'll be interesting. I'm curious to see how he fares. That said, the Titans, I think the Titans have a shot. Now, if they think they're going to go into Baltimore and and as well as Henry did with 182 yards on the ground, 34 carries, Tannehill's going to need more than 75 yards. It's not going to, that Baltimore team will punish them and the score will get out of hand really quick if they don't uh, do something to put some points on the board. I think, again, like you, I think it's going to be a few points difference. It's going to be one or two point differential. I don't think it's going to be 14-13 like it was with the Patriots. I think it's going to be more in the 20s. And the Tannehill and the and the Titans offense, they can keep up. A.J. Brown can, can have a day. He was not the same guy against the Patriots, but I think that was by design. As much as Henry's been a bit of a off and on boomer bust kind of guy, I think it's more than anything, it's been a commitment to the run game this year. They mentioned a couple of games this year where he didn't do so well. That was earlier in the season. They're still, you know, doing the Deion Lewis thing and the rotation thing. And I don't want to take negative credit, <laughs> but the Chiefs game, they kind of really were just like, let's pour it all on Derek and see what happens. And I think that was kind of like, let the pigeons loose. Let's just go open the gates, let the dude run the ball. Let's win or die by the rock being carried instead of just heaving it all over the place and then throw when we have to kind of thing. They showed a lot of commitment to the uh, to the run game in that game against Kansas City where it was started to look like it was going to get out of hand, and then you know a few things happened here and there. And down the stretch, they still had to drive down the field. And, uh, you know, Tannehill was up to the task. Again, there were some calls there that was just like, mm, come on, that guy's holding. Ah. <laughs> it's hard to watch. But I uh, feel like that there's a, there's a good slobber knocker fest going on in Baltimore this weekend. It'll be <laughs> interesting to see who comes out the other side. Do you have any thoughts on the NFC side? I don't even really – I haven't really paid much attention this year aside from watching some San Fran games, and as as good as they were early in the season, they were equally as bad comparatively late in the season. Their defense started just getting gashed. Early in the season, they looked like they could, you couldn't do anything against them. They could stop everybody, and then they started losing guys. Quan Alexander being one of them, who they, they're possibly getting back this week. But, I mean, it's going to be rusty. It's just like he just came back. So what are your thoughts on the, uh, the San Francisco game? Yeah, I... I I like the Vikings. I like what they've done, and I think they're a, they're a sleeper team in this playoff. But the, they just got too many injuries. And if you look at the the 49ers, outside of IR, they're one of the most healthiest teams at this point right now. They don't really have much in ways of injuries. Um, and they've had a week off, and, and 49ers are, are a really darn good team. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo just does his job, what he needs to do. That rushing attack is very dangerous for the 49ers. They have a really underrated offensive line. I think they have one of the best tackle tandems in the league. Um, yeah. And, they're, and, and their defense. You can't say enough about the defense, what they've what they've done this year. They've, they've played some tough competitors. They were in a tough division in the NFC West, and they came out on top 13-3, one of the best records in the, in the entire league. So I, I do think as much as I want to call another upset with the Vikings over the Niners, I just don't see it happening. I think the Niners are probably going to go to the Super Bowl, be the representative from the NFC. And uh, I think it's going to be a tough, tough go ahead for the Vikings. I think they're, uh, they probably used all their magic last week against the saints. Right. Like the last time they, <laughs> two years ago, <laughs> the same thing. They just kind of came out of that game, just like a, like a lead weight, lead balloon. Exactly. Um, exactly. 
to speak to the offensive lines, uh, the the Vikings offensive line, Cousins were only sacked 28 times all year. Garoppolo was sacked 36 times. Mind you, they have two games against Seattle every year and the Rams, so there's a little more lopsided pressure there. The best was uh, actually ours, Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes was only sacked 17 times all season, and he's healthy now, and he's running around now, and I'm, I'm excited to see what that adds to the game because he was limping around. And Peter King, I mentioned to Ryan, was – I was watching uh, Pro Football Talk, and Peter King was saying, you know, Patrick wasn't even injured that first. Yeah, he was, dude. He hurt his, he hurt his ankle the first two weeks, and he got re-aggravated in the Colts game the week before, and he got hit again in the uh, the Texans game. His ankle was really bothering him in that game, you could tell. But uh, he's not limping anymore. He's not aggravated anymore. He said this week that he's felt healthier this week than he has since the beginning of the season. That's awesome. I mean, just thinking of how rejuvenated he felt coming off the injury and how he played against the Titans, I think he's going to play like that and much more because he's got all of his guys back, all of his horses are running. Darwin Thompson's been coming into his own, and, you know, Damian Williams looks like the guy from the Colts' playoff game last year. He's been a man on fire running in, through, and around people, so I'm pretty stoked to see that timing-wise. So you got the 49ers against the Vikings. What are your thoughts on... Uh, Packers hosting the Seahawks. Man, Seahawks played so poorly against the Eagles. Right, um, they have to bounce back because they're they're a, they're they're a sleeper team. They're very good. They're a dangerous team in this playoff, especially on the NFC side. Uh, Packers better come prepared because Seahawks are, are going to. And it's tough to bet against Pete Carroll. He's he's such a good coach. Uh, he's kept the Seahawks relevant his entire career there. Mm-hmm. Which you know they they had a lot of losses here recently, and they have DK Metcalf, who who a lot of people were torn on is he going to be good is he going to be a bust uh tyler lockett who's a very underrated receiver um so pete carroll is one of the best coaches around packers have a first year head coach yes they have aaron Rodgers, um but we've seen him have his shortcomings mm-hmm. the packers are, are another upset watch team. but again i wouldn't really say the seahawks beating the packers would be an upset other than the fact that they're a lower seed and on the road that's the only thing if this game was in seattle which it could it very easily uh you know, could have been, it wouldn't right. have been a matchup with the Packers, but uh, Seahawks are a dangerous team. And I think they're going to come out a lot stronger than they did against the Eagles. Um, this was good. That's going to be a nail biter. That might be the best game of the entire week in the Packers Seahawks. I could see that going into the extra innings, if you will, overtime. Um, it just comes down to, to Russ and, and Rogers. Who's going to make more plays And I got to give the advantage to, to the Seahawks, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm, I don't know, man. Um, I think, first of all, I think the Titans, and Ravens is going to be the biggest nail-biter. I think we're going to win. I think the Chiefs, if they play their best game versus the Texans' best game, the Chiefs should win by 10. They're just a better team right now with fewer injuries. Um, Ravens and Titans, like I said, they're going to like knock each other around. I think I agree with you. I think the 49ers are going to handle the Vikings fairly easily. Um, no offense to Dalvin and those guys, but they get a couple fumbles off Dalvin. He's going to go in the tank. Kirk Cousins, I mean, that was his biggest game of his life last week. This week is going to be a tough situation. Nick Bosa looks like he-man out there. Just he's ridiculous to watch. And uh, they might get D. Ford and Dukiski Tart back this week as well. But that Packer-Seahawks game, they've lost so much in the run game. They're using Travis Homer and older beast mode. I mean, (laughs) unless he's gotten faster since he was a Raider, it's going to be a tough outing, man. It's going to be really tough. And the two Smiths. Preston and uh, Zadarius coming off the edges. I don't know. The way that the 49ers got after Russell Wilson the first time around, I think that the Packers are going to get after him just as much as that, if not more. 
and could make for a really rough day for him. Also, it's going to be 25 degrees, I think it's the forecast. <laughs> so the run game is going to be important. And I just, if I got to bet the run game, you know, ancient Marshawn Lynch and a guy that's touched the ball like six times this year versus uh, Aaron Jones and whoever else they've got backing up Aaron Jones at this point. I'm not sure if Jamal Williams is healthy or not, but Aaron Jones has just been a machine. You think he's tiring out and all of a sudden he tears one for like 80 yards and just, you know, what he did to us in the passing game as well. And I think A-Rod's got one big home game in him uh, in front of that Packer crowd. He's got to get those numbers up. It's a little too close to 500, I think, for him. I think it's either 5-5 five and five or 6-5 and five at home and since 2002 or something. So that's very un-Packer-like. Devontae uh, Adams is healthy. So he's got that going, and I just I just feel like the Packers, the home field, the Seahawks injuries in the running back core is going to be big. DK Metcalf, it's a big game. It's a big game for a rookie. I know he had a good game against the Eagles, but the Eagles are just decimated by injuries. They're, I mean, you're playing against half a squad there. And that hit by Jadavian Clowney, <laughs> I'm just going to say right here and right now, anybody who watches that and says that was not a dirty shot, I'm not saying he's a dirty player overall. He's not in Dominican Sioux. That was dirt. Okay, that quarterback, and I'm in no way, shape, or form an Eagles fan, but he was running, he was getting tackled, he was parallel to the ground and falling on his face. There's no way he was continuing that run. And he came in, Jadavian Clowney came in, and all he had to do was put a hand on his back and make sure he went all the way to the ground. He turned sideways and dipped his head into the back of the skull of the quarterback. <laughs> no flag. No, I was just I look at things like that and I think, how would I have reacted if they tried to do that to our quarterback? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um probably want to teleport myself through the TV and like double axe handle him in the back. Like, don't do that. What are you doing? I was just saw that and I was just blown away that there was a no flag and people were talking about it this week. A lot of pundits actually, I was amazed were saying, yeah, it absolutely should have been a penalty. And some of them were pointing out the fact that there is an ejection available in the NFL. They kept, some of them said, Oh, well, if it was college, you'd be ejected. You can be ejected in the NFL. If you target somebody's head, if you target somebody at all with your own head, in the hip, the body, the knee, you can be tossed. And for me, I thought that was a tossable offense, especially when it cost him his game. So they lose their quarterback, and he gets to stay in. And I was just like, dude, this is not the 80s. I don't want to see backups play. No offense to McCown. He played his butt off and tried as hard as he could. But, you know, I'm pretty sure Eagle fans want to see what they've got in Wentz in the playoffs, and they just keep not getting a chance to do that. And I don't think... That it's fair for some people who said that it was uh, he's injury prone. I'm like, getting hit in the skull is not an injury prone thing. It's a human being thing. Your brain gets jiggled around. You're going to go nighty nights. You're not going to be the same guy for a little while. So it was it was it was really disappointing. And as close as the game was, you can't. I mean, we never know. We'll never know. But you can't tell me that there's no way the Eagles would have won that game with Wentz in there because it was a close game the whole way. You know, and that that alone right there, knowing how decimated the Eagles were across the board, and the fact that that game was that close, even with McCown in there, I just think the Packers are going to be too much for them. No, and, and all those are very solid points. I just I think the Packers are a deceptively bad team. I don't I, well, I don't I guess not a bad team. I just I look at their the they had a cupcake of a schedule, man. I mean, if if. Chiefs have Mahomes. They win that game. Yeah, um, and really and that was it. probably their best win of the year. They ended the year against Giants, Redskins, Bears, Vikings, and Lions. And they had a, a come from behind win against the Lions in the final week. They uh-huh. only beat the Bears by eight. They only beat the Redskins by five. 
this it, and, and and before that they got slaughtered by the 49ers it's this this isn't yeah. that good of a team right um so i i, I think that seattle might be granted yes their, their running attack is is decimated and they're they're just kind of going with duct tape and bailing wire right now and um but uh, man russell wilson he's a playmaker and i mentioned Pete carroll i don't know i i just i have i have one of those gut feelings you get where I, everybody's just going with the Packers and kind of riding off the Seahawks. I, I, I don't know. Right. I think the Seahawks might shock the world on this one. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's no quarterbacks left. The, the weakest quarterbacks right now, probably, in generally speaking, are Cousins and Tannehill. Garoppolo is largely unproven. But everybody else, it's just like there's there's a lot of mobile guys. The only guys that aren't mo- mobile guys are Cousins and Garoppolo. Cousins and Garoppolo are the only you know statuesque quarterbacks. You know, everybody else can run and hurt you with their legs. They're they're a game breaker waiting to happen. Can never underestimate Russell Wilson. And Cousins put the ball on the ground five times this year. He didn't lose any fumbles, amazingly enough, but he fumbled the ball five times. So that's I mean, San Francisco's gonna be all over him like a fat kid eating cake. I mean, I'm a fat kid, so I can say that. <laughs> um, but uh I like cake. You know, and Lamar Jackson, that's the other thing you said you were talking about a possible upset there. He only lost two fumbles, but he put the ball on the ground eight times, man. Like, that's a lot. Yeah. Okay, I know he carried the ball a lot, too. But all he's got to do is two times. Two times in their own end of the field. And you saw what the Titans did to the Patriots when they get field position. Game went from 14-13 to, you know, 20-13 in the second. So it's it's going to be a, a tough one to, for them to get through. And that the pass rush of the Seahawks is not to be toyed with either. I don't know who's got a really weak pass rush. I don't know who the guys are on, on the Vikings besides Anthony Barr, but they seem to get after it fairly well. Tennessee's just got a mishmash of guys that just pressure. They don't get as many sacks, but they pressure a lot. But the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Texans got Watt back, and Merciless gets after it. You know, the Seahawks got their cadre of evildoers and <laughs> the Smith brothers for the for the Packers. There's, there's a lot of good pass rushers in there, and that's not surprising. That's part of... Uh, what gets you this far in the playoffs, I guess. If you had to pick one player, play this last little game, who's the player of the game that has to step up for the Chiefs to have the day that we all want to see them have? So I mentioned Terrell Suggs, but I'll go with someone else. Uh-huh. I think Daniel Sorensen has to play the game of his life. Uh, not necessarily has to, but he he should. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has not looked the greatest this year. I, there's been multiple times where I just throw my hands up in the air and just kind of shake my head and rub my head and think, come on, Daniel. Um, and he's he's going to be playing a lot with with Juan out. Uh-huh. Daniel has to step up. If he's on the field, he has to step up. And another guy I'm really excited to see who's back on the field, uh, Dorian or Daniel. I think uh-huh. Dorian is is amped up. I think he's excited to be back. So Daniel Sorensen, Dorian, and Daniel, a, com- a combination of those two, if they can make plays, because those are the guys that I if if I was going up against the Chiefs, I'm targeting them if they're on the field. That's who I'm going against. Sure. So. Dorian and Daniel, those two right there, D and D, they need to step up. Yeah, and on offense for the Chiefs, besides obviously Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill. Sure. Yeah, I want to see Sammy Watkins, man. Sammy Watkins has been one of the highest paid receivers in the league. We gave him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say he hadn't lived up to that. He's been a very good player for us, but he hadn't he hadn't been what he needs to be. And I really want to see Sammy Watkins kind of break out here and do what he's done in the past shown flashes he's had big yeah. games for us he's just not consistent enough so i know tyree kill is going to be targeted by the texans they're going to try to shut him down i want to see sammy Watkins step up and take a lot of that pressure off of off of, off of mahomes and tyreek he's he's kind of been paid this year like that guy we saw in the first week against the jags but most of the weeks it's mm-hmm. been more like two or three four catches 60 yards ish if he has a day at all 
if he doesn't just not have any catches or if he doesn't have a couple drops. Right. I don't think he's a, a bad player for us. I just think that there's only so many balls to go around. And he, when he's on, he's on. And when he's not, you know, Patrick just kind of goes away from him, and rightfully so. I mean, you have guys like Travis Kelsey, you know, breaking open, and Tyreek Hill is always a danger. And McCole Hardman, we played the Texans in week six. Going into that game, he only had five games of regular season experience. He's got 11 more games of experience. So I think he could be a tricky little dazzle burst of like two or three catches for 125 yards kind of thing with a touchdown can kind of put them on the ropes a little bit while the rest of the team thumps away. Who do you think is going to be the most outstanding player of the weekend in all four games? The one guy that's going to be like, wow, that guy had the game of the weekend. I'm going to go on a limb, and I'm going to say A.J. Brown for the Titans. Mm. I think he might he might get a little chemistry going. I think he might he and Tannehill might get on the same page. With a 75-yard outing from Tannehill, you mentioned it earlier, mm-hmm. that can't happen again. No. Uh, and I, I think they get on the same page early and often against the Ravens, and I think it's going to be the Tannehill-A.J. Brown show. I think A.J. Brown might eclipse 150. Oof. With all those corners, with all those – corners everybody loves over in Baltimore that'd be that'd be a challenge that'd be something else he's a physical dude though he's not the kind of guy that Marcus Peters likes to rub up against I know that <laughs> he's a strong lad to me he's like he has the potential I mean he hasn't reached that yet obviously he's just you know young guy we're a rookie and but just looking at him and what a specimen he is everybody went on and on about how Metcalf looked in that photo of them together mm-hmm. he's like equally hulkified <laughs> I'm sorry he's not as tall he's like six one or something like that but I looked at him and I'm like that guy has the potential to be Sterling Sharp 2.0. Yeah. If he applies himself and gets to become a really good receiver, his run after the catch, he gets the ball in his hands. He's like a big running back, like 226 in that in that frame. Man, it's just hang on to the ball. I know early in the season he had a few drops because he was you know probably a little nervous. It's the big game, right? But that he seems to wean that out. He seems to have weaned that out of his game and is much more reliable now. As conversely, I think that could be a thing that hurts the Seahawks is. Metcalf has been prone to little spells of dropping the ball when it's right in his hands. That said, though, when that happens, Russell just turns around and goes, okay, lock it. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> he does not drop the ball. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting set of games. I like the, I like the four the four matchups. I'm obviously going to be tuned mostly into the Kansas City game. But uh, I think Saturday, the AFC game is going to have my attention the most just because I want to see who's on the slate next if we get past the Texans. First things first, Chiefs Kingdom. Put the good energy out. Let's get past those Houston Texans. We need to put them back in their place, which is behind us. Behind us and out of the playoffs and move forward on to the next game, which could hopefully be the AFC Championship in Kansas City. That would be phenomenal if that happens. I am going. Unless tickets are grotesquely overpriced, in which case I will watch on TV. <laughs> Talon, it's always a pleasure having you on, man. Yes, sir. Again, great to hear your voice, Dan, and I always look forward to it. I am looking forward to next week. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Put some good juju out there. Yes, I'm putting the good energy out as well. I feel like we got this game. I feel like the Chiefs are going to play smart. Again, like I said, we're we 22-3 and three after a bye week. This is a team that, like I said, early in the year, I think last year was they knocked on the door like Warren Moon did with the Edmund Eskimos back in the day up in Canada, his first season. And then the next five years, they kicked the door in. This team could be that team. Health is always the big issue. They stay healthy. The players they have the ability to find players that Brett Veach has shown and the ability to get the best out of players that Andy Reid has always shown bodes very well for this team. I don't see Andy Reid going anywhere for a number of years, and the future is very bright 
Kansas City Chief fans. Let's get the win this weekend. Move forward. Go Chiefs. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at The Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time. Mm-hmm.